0: In Alhamdalilla, Nahmaduhu who and Estaino, who and Estaufero, when I would be Shururi and Fusina was a year at Amalina, Menyahdihila, who fellam of the lala, or menu lil fella hadiella, washado and illa, who are the hula sharikala, washado and Mohammed and Abedu or a solo. Amabad. So previously we have been discussing the issue of the decree. And we mentioned the principles of Ahl-Sunnah with regards to the decree. And we mentioned some of the narrations in this particular chapter regarding the decree. The next part here, Shaykh al-Fawzan goes on to mention the types of people who reject the decree. The types of people who reject the decree. So there are some who are known as the extreme Qadriyyah. The extreme qadariyah The extreme Qadriyyah, they were the ones who used to reject the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Saying that Allah does not know what is going to happen until it actually happens That is what they used to claim That Allah does not know what is going to happen until it actually happens So they used to reject the knowledge of Allah However those extreme qadriyyah as mentioned by Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, became extinct, and their type of methodology and belief did not persist. But there are other types of individuals who erred when it came to the issues of the decree. There are some who claimed that we have no choice In what we do, and that everything we do is simply the dictation of the decree upon us. The Jabariyyah, they are known as. But we mentioned that we are not compelled in that way. Rather, Allah gave you ability and gave you intellect, and gave you that ability to choose whether to worship Him, or to reject that worship and to sin. So, there were people from the olden times, throughout the ages, who have erred and gone astray in the area of the decree. We now come to this next narration, the hadith of Ubadah ibn Samit. qala that he said to his son, Ya Buniya, O my son, so ابن ibn Samit, one of the early companions, he said to his son, O oh my son, إِنَّكَ لَنْ تَجِدَ طَعْمَ الْإِيمَانِ حَتَى تعَلَمَ أَنَّ مَا أَصَابَكَ لَمْ يَكُنْ لِيُخْطِئَكَ وَمَا أَخْطَأَكَ لَمْ يَكُنْ لِيُصِيبَكَ That my son, you will not taste the sweetness of iman until you recognize, you realize, you come to understand that whatever occurs to you, then it was never going to miss you. And whatever does not occur for you, then it was never going to be for you. Meaning a person will not feel the sweetness of Iman until he has his understanding of the decree. Understanding that what occurred to you, then it was not going to miss you. And what misses you doesn't occur for you, then it wasn't decreed for you. So the sweetness of iman, حَلَاوَتُهُ لِأَنَّ الْإِنسَانَ إِذَا أَنَّمَا عَلَيْهِ فَهُوَ بِقَضَاءِ اللَّهِ وَقَدَرِهِ Because a person when he realizes that whatever occurs to him or does not occur for him, then all of that is by the decree of Allah upon him, then he will be relaxed. A person will be at ease, knowing that everything occurs by the decree of Allah, knowing that it all occurs by what Allah has decreed, so the person will be content and happy and at ease. Allah mentioned in the Qur'an, مَا أَصَابَ مِن مُصِيبَةٍ إِلَّا بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ وَمَنْ يُؤْمِن بِاللَّهِ Wallahu قَلْبَهِ وَاللَّهُ بِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ عَلِيمٍ Whatever calamity befalls you, then it is only by the permission of Allah. No calamity befalls you except by the permission of Allah. And whomsoever believes in Allah, then He will guide your heart. And Allah is all knowledgeable of every affair. Al Qama said, Who are Rajulu Tusibuhu al Musibah? Faya alamu annaha min عند Allah, Fayyarda wa That is a person who knows. That the calamity is occurred, has occurred due to the decree of Allah, from Allah, by the permission of Allah. So the person, he is content and satisfied, and he is at ease and submits to it. Knowing that whatever calamity or difficulty has occurred, it is from the decree of Allah upon him. فَمَنْ وَالْقَدَرِ فَإِنَّهُ يَجِدُ طَعْمَ الْإِيمَانِ وَرَاحَةَ الْإِيمَانِ عِنْدَ الشَّدَائِدْ وَالْمَصَائِبَ وَالْمُنَغَّسَاتِ So a person who believes in the decree, has that iman in the decree, then he will find the sweetness of iman. How? Because he will find ease and comfort and relaxation in of himself, even when difficulties overcome him. Even when some hardship overcomes him, some difficulty overcomes him, he will find in of himself ease and comfort because he knows this is from the decree of Allah. And he will not be in depression and sorrow and grief. He will not be of those types of emotions, upset and agitated, because he recognizes and he knows that whatever has occurred has occurred due to the decree of Allah upon him. (laughs) أَمَّا الَّذِي لَا يُؤْمِنُ بِالْقَضَاءِ وَالْقَدْرِ فَإِنَّهُ يُصْبِحُ فِي قَلَقٍ As for a person who does not believe in the decree of Allah, doesn't have his iman in the decree of Allah, then that person will find himself in worry and concern and agitated. Worried and concerned and uncomfortable and agitated. That is the type of behavior and emotion he will find himself in. فَإِنَّهُ يَجْزَعُ وَيَلُومُ نفسه He becomes depressed and angry and agitated and upset and he blames himself. Amal لما Why didn't I do something else? I should have done it differently. لَيْتَنِي عَمَلْتُ Kada, If only I had done something and something. لَيْتَنِي فَعَلْتُ كَذَا ثُمَّ يُصْبِحُ فِي عَذَابٍ أَشَدِّ Then the person ends up in a punishment, in a calamity even worse than the actual calamity. Whatever the actual calamity is, whatever the actual issue is, he ends up in an even worse state Because of his thought processes surrounding that issue. He begins to think, if only this and if only that, then I should have done this and I should have done that. And I should have behaved like this and I should have dealt with it like that. All of that type of grief and concern and worry and agitation leads him to be in a state even worse than what the actual calamity is upon him. So he multiplies the calamity upon himself. He multiplies the calamity upon himself through the manner in which he interacts and deals with this calamity that overcomes him. قال, then he said, سَمِعَتُ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ, صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول, I heard the Messenger of Allah ﷺ say, إِنَّ أَوَّلَ مَا خَلَقَ الله القلم فقال له, when indeed Allah created the pen initially, He said to it, اكتب, write. فقال, ربي وماذا اكتب? The pen said, My Lord, what shall I write? قال, اكتب مقادير كل شيء حتى تقوم الساعه Allah said, write down the decree of everything until the hour is established. Write down the decree of everything until the hour is established. So the pen that Allah created, this pen is a creation from the creations of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, خَلْقٌ مِنْ خَلْقِ الله. And nobody knows what this pen is in its details and descriptions the size of it and what it is how it is we do not know we do not know of the description of the pen its size and other factors regarding it other parameters regarding it we're not aware of those details but we know that Allah created this pen and Allah told it to write the pen said what shall I write in the preserved tablet and so Allah said, write down the decree of all of that which is to occur until the hour will be established. So this indicates, أن كل ما يجري في هذا الكون فهو مكتوب بالقلم بقلم المقادير في اللوح Indicates that everything which occurs in this creation then it is something which has been written and recorded in the preserved tablet already. من أول الخلق إلى آخر الخلق. From the beginning of creation to the end of creation. حتى تقوم الساعة. Until the hour is established. لا يخرج عن هذا شيء في هذا الكون أبدا. Nothing in this creation is outside of that decree. Nothing occurs outside of that decree. لا في الماضي, not in the past. La في الحاضر, not in the present. ولا في المستقبل, not in the future. لا من الخير ولا من الشر. Neither from the affairs of goodness nor from evil. Nothing is outside of the decree. لا من المحبوب ولا من المكروه neither from the beloved affairs, nor from the affairs that are disliked, كله مكتوب ولا بد أن يقع Everything is written and it must occur, and it will occur as it is written. Then he says, يا بُنَيَّ عِبَادَ ابْنُ الصَّامِتِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ says to his son, Oh my son, سَمِعْتُ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ يَقُولَ I heard the messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, say, man mata ala Whomsoever dies upon other than this, whomsoever dies upon other than this, this belief in the decree, whoever dies not believing in the decree, then he is not from me. What does it mean that he is not from me? It does not mean that the person is a kafir. Not necessarily. It can lead to that a person may end up in that situation with his disbelief in the decree or what his belief is thereof. But generally speaking, when these narrations say such and such is not from us, it means that it's a major sin, generally. Then, of course, as we've seen from the narrations of the salaf, the one who declares the decree to be inaccurate or rejects the decree altogether, that person may well fall into kufr. Then, now, the shaykh goes on to say, <speaking> In ma khalaq al When Allah created the pen first, يَدُلُّ بِظَاهِرِهِ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ الْقَلَمْ أَوَّلُ الْمَخْلُوقَاتِ. This narration seems to indicate that the pen is the first of all of the things that were created. Because it says when Allah created the pen first, Allah said to it, write down everything. The hadith seems to indicate that the pen was the first thing that Allah created. لكن هناك احاديث تدل على ان العرش هو اول المخلوقات but there are narrations that indicate that the throne of Allah was the first creation the hadith which indicates or one of the ahadith that indicate that the throne of Allah was the first of the creations, is the hadith where it mentions about the decree again. كَتَبَ اللَّهُ مَقَادِيرَ قَبْلَ أَنْ يَخْلُقَ السَّمَاوَاتِ والأرض بخمسين ألف سنة. Allah wrote down the decree of everything before the creation of the heavens and the earth by 50,000 years. وَكَانَ عَرْشُهُ عَلَى الْمَاءِ And His, water, his throne was above the water. So this indicates when the decree was written 50,000 years before the creation of the heavens and the earth, the throne had already been created at that time. This narration indicates the throne had already been created at the time when the decree was written. Which means therefore it was created before the pen. So how do we understand these narrations and what is the correct opinion? Was the pen the first thing that was created or was the throne the first thing that was created? The first opinion of the scholars is that it was the throne of Allah that was created first and that the pen was created after that. The second opinion is that the pen was the first of the items that was created. And they say the reason being because of the apparent hadith that says initially when Allah created the pen first, He said to it, write. So they say the hadith is apparent in saying that the pen was the first created. What is the stronger opinion of the two Sheikh al Islam ibn Taymiyyah and his student ibn al Qayyim, Rahimahum Allah, they say that the first thing created was which one? Okay. Huh? Pen. The pen or the throne, which one? The throne. The, throne. the pen. They say, That the throne was the first of the creations. That is what Ibn Taymiyyah and Ibn Al-Qayyim, they mentioned regarding this issue, that it is the throne that was created first, and then the pen that came after. So at the end of this hadith, it is mentioned that the Prophet ﷺ said whoever dies upon something other than this, i.e. other than the belief in the decree as it should be, then he is not from me. من مات على غير الإيمان بالقضاء والقدر ولم يتوب إلى الله قبل موته فإن محمد صلى بريء منه. So whoever does not believe in the decree and doesn't repent from that before dying, then Prophet Muhammad is innocent of him. And this is a severe threat. That is a severe threat to be told that the Prophet is innocent of you and nothing to do with you. وَفِي li Ahmad, In a narration mentioned by Al-Imam in إِنَّ ma khalaq Allah Indeed, Initially, when Allah created the pen, قَالَ لَهُ فَقَالَ له, Allah said to it, write, فِي تِلْكَ هو كائن يوم So in that time, at that moment, everything which is going to occur up until the Day of Judgment occurred, meaning it was written down. وَفِي رِوَايَةَ قَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ, الله لَمْ يُؤْمِنْ بِالْقَدَرِ In this narration it says Whoever doesn't believe In the decree it's good and it's bad Allah will burn him with the fire This is a narration from Ibn Wahab Abdullah Ibn Wahab A great scholar, a great muhaddith From the companions of Imam Malik Abdullah Ibn Wahab From the companions of Imam Malik uh, died at the beginning of the 2nd century And he has uh, many books and narrations Abdullah ibn Wahab He says in this narration that the Prophet ﷺ said Whoever does not believe in the decree, it's good and it's bad Then Allah will burn him with the fire So this is another very severe and great threat Upon the one who does not believe in the decree فَدَلَّ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ الْإِيمَانِ بِالْقَضَاءِ وَالْقَدْرِ أَمْرٌ واجب. This indicates that iman in the decree is something which is obligatory. And that rejecting it will necessitate that the person enters into the fire. إِمَّا لِكُفْرِهِ وَإِمَّا لِبِدْعَتِهِ Either due to him having apostated, a kafir due to that statement, He's a kafir, a disbeliever due to that statement or due to him falling into severe innovation regarding the issue of the decree. If a person rejects the decree and rejects that Allah has knowledge of what is going to happen before it happens like those extremist ones then they are kuffar. That person is a kafir. Because he is rejecting the knowledge of Allah. But if they agree and acknowledge the knowledge of Allah, etc., but they fall into other types of deviances on the decree, then that may be severe innovation, but not to the level of kufr. But all of these are threatened with the fire due to not having the belief in the decree. Musnad Sunan an Ibn قَالْ أَتَيْتُ أُبَيِّ كَعْبِ فَقُلْتْ He says, I came to obey. Ibn Ka'b I came to obey Ibn Ka'b Who is saying this? Ibn Daylami Abdullah Ibn Fairoz Ad-Daylami Who was one of the senior Tabi'in, One of the senior Of the second generation After the companions From the tabi'een So he says I came to obey Ibn Ka'b Al-Ansari One of the companions Fa'qultu And I said to him في نفسي شيء من القدر that I have something unsettling me about the decree. There is some unsettlement within me regarding the decree. هكذا طلبة العلم الذين يبحثون عن الحقيقة يبحثون عن العلم النافع إذا أشكل عليهم شيء لا يعتمدون على رأيهم وإنما يرجعون إلى أهل العلم. So the Sheikh says this is how the students should be when something discomforts you, you're not sure about some type of knowledge, go to the people of knowledge. So here Ibn Taylami was discomforted about something regarding the decree, wasn't settled about certain issues of the decree, didn't quite understand it properly. So he went to uh, uh, the companion to ask him regarding that knowledge of the decree and what it is. So when he asked Ubay ibn Ka'ab and he said to him, there's something not settling with me regarding the decree. So then he said, bi shay allah min qalbi." So he said to Ubay ibn Ka'ab, so tell me about the decree, speak to me about the decree, tell me about the decree and the knowledge of the decree and the belief that we need to have. So that hopefully this discomfort or this unsettled feeling I have about certain aspects, they will go. Talk to me about the decree, give me knowledge about the decree, so that hopefully whatever is unsettling me, that will then exit from my heart. That hopefully Allah will then remove that from my heart, what is unsettling me once I hear about the decree and the principles and the rules and the evidences, then hopefully inshallah, Allah will remove what is unsettling me. So then, Ubayy ibn Ka'ab spoke to him. He said, لو أنفقت مثل أحد ذهبا ما قبله الله منك حتى تؤمن بالقد If you were to spend the equivalent of Mount Uhud in gold Allah would not accept it from you until you believe in the decree وتعلم أنما أصابك لم يكن ليخطئك and know that what happened to you, whatever occurred to you, whatever befell you, then it was never going to miss you. وَمَا لَمْ يَكُنْ لِيُصِيبَكَ And whatever you didn't get, then you were never going to get. وَلَوْ مُتَّ عَلَىٰ غَيْرِ هَذَا لَكُنْتَ مِنْ أَهْلِ النَّارِ And if you die upon a belief other than this, then you will be from the people of the fire. So then he says, Ibn Abdullah فَأَتَيْتُ عَبْدَ اللَّهِ إِبْنَ مَسْعُودِ إِبْنَ wa وَزَيْدِ إِبْنَ ثَابِتِ He said, then I went to Abdullah ibn Mas'ud afterwards. And Hudaifah ibn al-yaman. And Zayd ibn Thabit, رضي الله عنهم, all great companions. فَكُلُّهُمْ He says, all of them حَدَّثَنِي بِمِثْ Li صلى الله That all of the others too, they spoke to me, narrated to me exactly the same. What he got from Uba ibn Ka'ab, that's what all of the other companions told him. The decree, you must believe in it. Give in charity to the amount of gold in Uhud, and it will not be accepted if you do not believe in the decree. And you must believe that whatever accursed you, then it was decreed, it was never going to miss you. And whatever doesn't happen for you, then it was never going to happen for you. Something you wanted, but it didn't happen, then it was never going to happen. You believe what occurs to you was never going to miss you, and what misses you was never going to occur for you. That is the belief in the decree. And they all told him, if you die without that belief, then you will be from the people of the fire or deserving of the people of the fire. So what do we benefit from these narrations and this chapter regarding the decree in conclusion? فَيُسْتَفَادُ مِنْ هَذِهِ الْأَحَادِيثِ أَلَّتِي أَوْرَدَهَا اللَّهِ What we benefit from these narrations that the author has mentioned in this chapter regarding the decree. Firstly, الأول أو الفائدة الأولى وَجُوبَ الْإِيمَانِ بِالْقَضَاءِ وَالْقَدْرِ The obligation to have iman in the decree, the obligation to have iman in that. وَأَنَّ ذَلِكَ مِنْ أَرْكَانِ الْإِيمَانِ And that iman in the decree is one of the six pillars of iman. الفائدة الثانية, the second benefit. أن الله كتب Also we learn that Allah wrote down the decree of everything which used to occur in the preserved tablet after having knowledge and knowing everything which is going to occur to the day of judgment. Allah knew and had knowledge of everything, the eternal knowledge. so then he wrote down the decree of all of that in the preserved tablet. ثالثى, the third benefit that the pen is from the first of the creations. From amongst the first of the creations was the pen and there are narrations that talk about the throne and what is most uh, mentioned by the scholars is that the throne was created before the pen al faedah the fourth benefit anna lam bil qada'i wal qadar fa imma a person who does not have the belief in the decree Then either he is a disbeliever Or he is an innovator One of the two Either a disbeliever if he rejects the decree Or rejects the knowledge of Allah Or an innovator if he is upon some misguided Deviated understanding and belief regarding the decree al fa'idatu to Al-Khamisa, the fifth thing that we learn, the severe threat against the one who doesn't understand or believe in the decree in that proper way. That it mentions Allah will not accept your good deeds no matter how much you do. Even if you gave in charity the amount of a hud, Allah would not accept that from you. And secondly, the innocence of the Prophet ﷺ from you. The Prophet ﷺ declares his innocence from the ones who do not have that belief in the decree. And thirdly, as it mentioned in the other narration, that Allah will burn in the fire the ones who have that rejection of the decree. The ones who die upon that way without repenting from it. The next benefit we also lo- learned and took from these narrations, the obligation of returning to the people of knowledge. You see in those narrations how the tabi'een, they returned to the people of knowledge. Ibn Daylami going to Ubay ibn Ka'b anhu, and then going to the other companions, Ibn Mas'ud and Hudayf ibn Yaman, going to the other companions also to ask them, so returning to the people of knowledge when you are not aware of a matter. And that is as Allah said in the Qur'an Fas Ahlad dhikri in la Taalamun. Ask the people of knowledge if you do not know. Go to the people of knowledge and ask them about your religion if you do not know. Because shyness if you are too shy, then that is critical. It is dispraiseworthy. It is a criticism of a person if your shyness stops you from learning about your religion. Aisha radiyallahu anha mentioned about the female companions. لم يكن يمنعهن من أن يسألن عن أمور Their shyness never used to prevent them from asking about the affairs of their religion. The female companions, their shyness did not used to prevent them from asking about the affairs of their religion. Because shyness is two types. Praiseworthy shyness with your character and your behavior to have a praiseworthy shyness in your dealings with the people and your modesty. But then there is a dispraiseworthy shyness. Dispraiseworthy modesty. And that is the modesty or the shyness which stops you and prevents you from asking questions to find out and to learn about your religion. If your shyness and modesty is stopping you from doing that, then that is dispraiseworthy. The female companions used to put their questions forward to ask about their affairs, affairs that are specific to women, etc. So if you are prevented from asking about your religion from shyness, that is dispraiseworthy. But otherwise, generally, to have shyness is praiseworthy al fa'idah al-sadisa, the final benefit taken here that these scholars and the people of knowledge they do not say and should not say except for that which there is evidence upon so when ibn al-daylami went to the companions and he asked them about this issue of the decree he was told about If something occurs to you, then it was never going to miss you. It was going to occur to you, definitely, decreed. And if something didn't happen for you, then it was never going to happen for you. That's how it was decreed. And if you die upon this without believing in the decree, without repenting, then you will, or you are threatened to be burnt by the fire, or you are uh, declared innocent from the Prophet or rather the Prophet declares his innocence from you. All of that information was based upon the evidences of the Quran and the Sunnah talking about the obligation of believing in the decree and the sin and the evil of the one or the misguided way of the one who does not believe in the decree. That is the end of the chapter on the decree. Any questions on that chapter so far before moving on to the next one? Regarding the decree. Mm. Mm. That's what it implies. That's the hadith. They say because it, that hadith, it is talking about the decree being written. Yeah. That Allah wrote down the decree fifty thousand years before creation. And at that time, the throne was already above the water. So that indicates when the decree was being written, the throne already existed, it was already there. Hence, it must have been there before the pen was even created. Because the pen was created, then at that moment, Allah told it to write. But if that moment, when that occurred, the throne was already there, as the narration says, then it indicates the throne was created first, and the pen was created afterwards. As for the narration where it says, when the pen was created first, and then told to write. That actually means, as you say in English. It isn't talking about the pen being the first thing created. It is talking about in the first moments of the creation of the pen. In the first moments of the creation of the pen. When was the pen created then? You don't know the narration is talking about whenever it was created, the first thing that it was told in the first moments of its creation was write down the decree. Whenever it was created. They say that's what the hadith actually means. When the pen was first created, it was told to write. Meaning when it was created in that moment, the first thing it was told to do was write. Not that the pen was created first and then told to write. Meaning that the first thing created ever was the pen. Difference between the two. That's how they explain it. They say the narration talking about the pen being first, isn't about the pen being the first creation. It's about the moment, the first moment in which it was created, it was told to write. When was that moment though? They say, after the creation of the throne. They say that moment occurred after the creation of the throne. But in that moment then it was told to write. And that's how they combine between those evidences. Anything else regarding the decree? So, what are the four levels of the decree? The belief of Ahlul Sunnah, the four levels of the decree is what? To summarize this chapter in conclusion of it. So all of that is the knowledge of Allah. Allah's knowledge encompasses everything. The second point All of the decree <clears throat> was written in the preserved tablet. All of the decree written down in the preserved tablet, Al kitaba Third, the Mashi'ah, the will of Allah. Whatever Allah wills occurs, whatever He does not will will not occur. Fourthly, Creation. All of the decree is created by Allah. Those are the four basic points you have to remember. The four basic points regarding the decree. Those four basic principles. The knowledge of Allah encompasses everything. It was all written down in the preserved tablet. It is all by the will of Allah and it is all by the creation of Allah. So that is a part of the Tawheed of a person clearly, and that's why the Shaykh has mentioned it in Kitab al-Tawheed. The next chapter then, we'll begin the next time, is regarding pictures, photographs. What is the ruling in Islam about pictures and photographs, and drawings and paintings? What is the ruling in Islam regarding those types of things? how is that linked to the tawhid of a person and we know about the prohibition of drawing pictures but is photographs the same when you take photographs on your phone or your camera is it allowed to do that we're talking about living things non-living things of course it's allowed you can draw paint take photographs of non-living things trees rivers bottle whatever you want to do but living things humans Is it permissible to draw or to paint a human? Or to take a photograph of a human? That issue we're going to discuss next week then about photographs and pictures, paintings and drawings, and what the Prophet said about that, what the hadith they say about that, and what is mentioned about the punishment of the one who opposes the rulings in that. So we'll begin that then next week, inshallah ta'ala. And we'll conclude upon that chapter of the decree for today.